You're listening to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. Spring here in St. Louis. Spring across uh, much of what the the uh, the northern hemisphere, and that means that uh, school season is winding down. But there are a number of topics to talk about when it comes to school, particularly for middle school and high school students. A new series uh, on Netflix that has uh, that has become quite popular and also raised some questions as well. We're going to discuss that today. 13 Reasons Why. Hope you can stick around for the conversation. Thanks to our underwriter, Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting faith and family. Find out more about them on our website, kfuo.org. You can find Concordia University, Wisconsin in the sponsor section. Joining me in studio this morning, Dr. Christina Kirsting. She's the counseling supervisor for Lutheran Family and Children's Services of of Missouri and uh, a fine guest uh, returning here to Faith and Family. Christina, gra- glad to have you back in studio again. Thanks so much for coming over today. Thank you for having me. And you've been uh, you've been out of the office too. I've been, we, we've both <laughs> been out traveling and, and training, continuing to always sharpen those skills in our profession. Tell me about your work as a counseling supervisor and the work of Lutheran Family and Children's Services of Missouri. Sure. So um, the counseling department, our program through Lutheran Family and Children's Services, we serve individuals, couples, and families. Um, Ages range from, I would say, kindergarten Mm -hmm. on up. Um, Personally, I have clients who are in kindergarten, and then I have clients who are retired. So it's kind of a nice balance. Lifespan. (laughs) Right, right. That you serve. Right. Absolutely. And then we also, through our program, we help educate future clinicians by having students who are currently getting their master's degree. And then we have um, individuals who just completed graduate school and who are getting licensed. So we also kind of have the opportunity to help shape and mold Mm -hmm. growing minds in the field. And LFCS of Missouri serves people all over, yes. uh, not just in the St. Louis area. Right, right. We have offices in Cape Girardeau, Springfield, Columbia. Right. Mm-hmm. And here in St. Louis, I mean, we have uh, LFCS counselors in schools all over the St. Louis area as well. We do. We have a school-based program um, that is in a wide variety of schools. I can't even tell you because I'm not certain how many schools they are in. And they are both public schools and Lutheran schools. Mm-hmm. And then we also have um, clinicians in different offices all over St. Louis. Um, we have three offices that are our offices that we rent, and then the rest of the offices are space that we are given by Lutheran churches. So that is what our other offices are. Wow. So really serving a large population of people yeah. and it, it, all for, to, to, to help us live, um, well, how would you describe it? To live uh, healthy, peaceful lives? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. Um, no, I think really our goal is to help the systems kind of come together mm. and to do what's best for everyone involved. So I think um, making sure that everyone is helping find that inner peace, but also being able to communicate their feelings and needs with each other. And I know that our school, St. Mark's in Eureka, has has benefited from having an LFCS counselor there and has been just a tremendous support to, to the students and to the families. And we have, you know, we have families with young children. We have early childhood as young as infants, you know, what, six months on up through eighth grade. And then uh, others, you know, who are connected through the congregation as well. So we're very thankful for for that support and helping families through the questions that they have, especially as we were talking about lifespan earlier from, you know, early childhood on up through retirement. We, As we 
grow as humans, as we grow and develop human growth and development, there are different aspects of each stage of life and the different questions and challenges that come with it. One of the areas that we're targeting today that we're discussing for Mental Health Awareness Month mm-hmm. is uh, is particularly teens, yes. adolescents, and uh, topics that are brought up through this um, in this this new series, 13 Reasons Why, which is all based on a book. It all starts it with a book, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, when did you first learn about the book or the, the series? Yeah, so I actually learned about the book back in 2006 when it came out. It was written by Jay Asher Mm -hmm. and um, at the time I was working full-time at um, Kids Under 21, which is a suicide prevention agency and um, I read the book and I was very excited about it and I thought it would be a great tool. It would start conversations, increase awareness and there was a lot of resistance from the mental health community about it. Um, A lot of fears, a lot of concerns and then it kind of went away because other things kind of came up that increased concerns. And then now we have the Netflix series, which is, I mean, social media, everything is kind of blowing up. Mm-hmm. When when you first read it and uh, your your life's work at that time was suicide prevention. I mean, right. you're, you're working to, to care for young people and, and prevent suicide and addressing mental health issues for them. How did it how did you see it as helpful? You said you thought maybe it would help start conversations. I did, yeah. Conversations that, that aren't happening would be generated or, or in, motivated by this book? Yes. So, you know, if you look back in history, right, a lot of conversations, tough conversations have been started because of literature. Mm-hmm. And when people read those books, they start thinking, and which is great. That's what we want them to do. Um, but I think especially now with these type of books that are coming out. Um, I think it's great because they're teen, they're adolescent books and parents are reading them and hopefully engaging in conversations to learn more about what their child is experiencing. Mm-hmm. And so that teens don't feel so alone, even when reading the book, someone else understands mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So your hope is that that something, a, a, a a book like this or the series would would spark conversations that would help us address the issues that that come Absolutely. up in the book. Um, the the issues that come up in Thirteen Reasons Why in the Netflix series. Mm-hmm. What what are those issues that that come up that one that that make it controversial, uh, and two that the the issues that you think are important to address. That's, a, that's, a that's big like question. a four hour conversation <laughs> right. that we're packing into fifty minutes here. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I think one of the big concerns with 13 Reasons Why, there are multiple kind of concerns. Um, I think one is that it is pretty graphic. Um, There are some warnings, trigger warnings up, and basically a trigger warning is anything that may um, remind people of past trauma that could Mm -hmm. create symptoms to arise based on that trauma. So... um, that would be anything from self-injury to, I don't know, uh, deep depression, flashbacks, nightmares, those kind of things. And so I do appreciate that they have those trigger warnings up, um, but there is um, some sexual assault and two uh, fairly graphic scenes related to that. And then um, the suicide itself is pretty graphic. And actually, I will say that I was more bothered by the sexual assault than I was by the suicide scene. Um, 
I appreciated that the suicide scene actually showed it and it showed that it hurts. I think that's really powerful because I think that's missed in a lot of the media. Um, Most of the time you just know the end result. You don't see how it happens and that it is painful and that it's processed and it's not just a quick fix. I don't know if that makes sense Mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. I'm saying. I and I've only watched a few in right. the series. I've not made oh, yeah, it to the end, and I've I, right. And I've been <laughs> warned. Uh, you know, I've only watched a few in the series just to to grasp an understanding of what this this phenomenon is. What the you know the right. why it's one why it's appealing to young people, and two why is it controversial? Why is it mm-hmm. something? Um, I, I understand why it's important for parents to be aware of what youth are watching. Mm-hmm. I think what what makes it even more well, perhaps makes it more appealing and and controversial is that it from from my perspective, as I was watching the scenes unfold, mm-hmm. that it was not far fetched. Right. This while it's while it's fiction, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, watching how the characters interacted was not unfamiliar of how I've seen high school students interact, even from my days many years ago as a high school student. Right. How how we as humans, that, that sinful old Adam in us, can be greedy and selfish and mm-hmm. treat others and not realize what impact that has on others and where that leaves them, how that can lead to isolation for that other person, what, uh, you know, what we, we call bullying, um, and how that comes in many different forms. Mm -hmm. You see that unfold in many of the characters Mm -hmm. in this story. Let's, uh, before we get too far into the conversation, perhaps we could give a a bit of the storyline for those who are totally unfamiliar with, with 13 reasons why and what it's all about. Yeah. And we should say spoiler alert. If you have not seen it, we are going to give away, um, big pieces of it. So um, I feel like everyone kind of knows that it is about suicide. Um, But so basically it's the story of this girl, Hannah. And um, she says that there are 13 reasons why she died by suicide. And um, because the book was written in 2006, (laughs) a lot has changed in technology, right? And so the show is different in what the book was based on. But she does audio tapes, which um, in the series was kind of funny because he's like, I don't, do you have something I can play this on? <laughs> which Because we don't really. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So cassette but, tapes. Right. Yeah. Yes. Actual tapes. <laughs> which I think identifies with parents of teens. Right. Parents of teens understand what those are. Right. Right now. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, and so what she does is on each of these tapes, she goes into detail and she provides a map. Um, so that people can actually see where these things took place. And she describes the things that led up to her suicide. Um, And I think that, well, before I go too much into that. So yes, in in the story, you go, she gives it to one person and then it gets passed on through the 13 reasons and they all hear the tapes and then understand a little bit more of what Hannah was going through. And it's certainly... As you, as you watch the series, as you pointed out, it's it's graphic it in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. Sadly, it's graphic and and tragic because it's a reflection of what happens in many schools. Right. Um, as you see the her relationships with classmates, with peers, and with friends or those who she thinks are friends unfold. Mm-hmm. It's it, it, 
it's really quite frightening, honestly, as a parent. You know, I'm not a parent of a teenager, but right. of a toddler. But to to think that that's what teens may encounter and experience, no matter what environment they're in, whether it's a, a public high school or private high school, right. humans are humans. We 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 carry around in us this 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 old Adam that this old sinful nature that has a tendency to be selfish and oh, yeah. n- not always mindful of how to care for our neighbor, how to be loving to our neighbor. Absolutely. We are egocentric individuals, especially teenagers. That's And teenagers, that's kind of the nature of the beast, but we're seeing it's happening earlier. You know, I have 11-year-olds that I see that are acting like grown-ups. Grown mm-hmm. You know, they, they have all the technology, they have their phones, they have all their devices. And then we have teenagers who are kind of in the middle and they don't know how to deal with things and what to do because they don't have those coping skills. And then as adults, we're so consumed with being busy and traffic and all these things in our lives <laughs> that we're forgetting who we're working with and who we're living with and who is involved in our everyday life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's let, let's dig into some of the, yeah. the issues that come up in 13 Reasons Why that, that the character Hannah gives mm-hmm. as r- reasons why uh, she died by suicide, as you uh, shared earlier. So let's let's talk about um, how the how they first introduced the characters in the beginning. The, I mean, in the series, in the the Netflix series, it's the, the two main characters are Hannah, uh-huh. and so you're hearing her narrative, right? And also her friend Clay. Uh, Clay yes, yes. And so they 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 introduce them in the beginning, but. It, that's where you start to get the 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 picture of the like the, he finds the cassettes and and starts hearing these these stories, but others have heard the cassettes as well. Right, right. He's actually I can't remember exactly what reason he is, but like eleven or something. He's later um, in the reasons, and so he's listening to all this and and getting very angry and acting out himself and struggling with coping even more, and wants to kind of go faster through the tapes to find out where he is and what's going on. And it's consuming him. Um, And I think that when she's describing these reasons, I should also say that each reason is specifically a person. It's, it's not just Mm -hmm. one act necessarily. It's all related to an individual. What are some of the, the, the topics that come up in this? I know bullying is certainly one of them. It's probably one of the most common in this. Yeah, you know, um, I was surprised and uh, I was kind of hoping this would be incorporated into the series, but one of the things that's missing is mental health. So depression is not actually listed at all as a reason or even discussed, which um, saddens me because all these things did happen. However... That's a big factor in all of this. There's one, I recall one scene so far that it's alluded to when the, when Clay's mom says, we're having breakfast today Mm -hmm. and he's like, you know, before school and he's all surprised that their family's having breakfast and Mm -hmm. this is, this is unusual for them. They're sitting down to breakfast and it turns out that it's really mom's way of not so subtly trying to convince him that he needs to go back on antidepressants right. or some form of medication right. uh, because she believes that he's, she doesn't say it, but she, it, it appears that she believes he's struggling with depression that, and that he has struggled with it in the past and was on medication for it and has since gone off of it. Right. And I also think that that's 
a big deal that they don't say depression. And really in that moment, what he's experiencing is grief, but there's no, his parents don't know. His Mm -hmm. parents don't know exactly what's going on with him because they don't know about the tapes and they don't realize that Hannah was significant in his life. And I think that that's the situation with many of these kids that they show throughout and they kind of explore a little bit more. Um, We do, we see reasons, you know, such as um, a broken heart, right? Mm -hmm. So we see that um, basically she thought she could trust a guy and she realizes she couldn't. Um, We see betrayal with friends. We see bullying of the pictures and it's, it's, I guess it would be considered cyberbullying, um, but that is really how people communicate now mm-hmm. is text messaging and pictures and things. And I think that that piece too really opened the eyes of a lot of parents to see how quickly those things do go through the school. It's not like back when I was in high school, I'm going to assume the same for you, <laughs> um, that when you could pass a note and it wouldn't get to the person it needed to get to till the last hour of the day, where now everybody knows everything pretty quickly. Instantly. Yeah. 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 Um, And so, yeah, we see that. We see kind of her help seeking, asking for people to assist her, even the school counselor, which you have not probably gotten to that point yet if you haven't gone. I've only seen a little bit of that. Mr. Porter, Uh, the school counselor. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and um, he's actually one of the reasons. She goes to him and wants to talk about what she's experiencing, and he's very distracted, and he's looking at his phone, and he's got all these other things on his mind, and it doesn't get addressed. I caught somewhere in there that he had a caseload of like 600 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, which is, you know, not uncommon in schools. Um, I think that they are overworked. All the professionals in the building, whether it be the school counselor or the social worker or even, you know— the agencies that are coming mm-hmm. in meeting with kids, I know that they've got, there's such a high need that they can't keep up with everything. Sure. Some of the scenes include a, t- I believe it's a teacher uh, uh, covering like communication skills. Yes. And, and there's, there's one scene where the, this teacher and the counselor are having a conversation and both struggling with their own guilt, you know, that uh, the the teacher who, who teaches interpersonal communication mm-hmm. or something like that, uh, some similar topic, is struggling with the fact that Hannah, the student who uh, who died by suicide, was in her class. Yeah. And yet felt isolated. And wrote that, uh, you may not be there yet. I haven't she got- wrote a, She wrote a poem that was actually shared in the class and certain people knew it was her who had um, wrote the poem. And I can't remember, it was anonymous, but they figured. And um, that was part of the teacher's guilt that she didn't dig further Hmm. into that situation. And, um, you know, I don't know if you've seen yet, but they have like bags, like positive bags where you can put in little positive notes and you know, make people feel good and things. And it almost kind of backfired because they're constantly checking and there's nothing in there or, you know, Hmm. and, and so again, that reinforcement of nobody's liking my Facebook posts or nobody's liking my Instagram posts and, and nobody's putting something special in my bag. And with the, I think there's good intention there, but we have to really kind of examine what that's doing to the students. Even, 
at at one point her uh, Hannah's mother passing through the school she'd gone to speak with the, I guess the principal mm-hmm. and as she was leaving sees a memorial that the students had created in the school with flowers and things like that and right and the mother is talking with one of the students the student says I'm so sorry for your loss and you know we have this memorial we've created for for Hannah and many children have been or many students have been adding more to it daily and the mother says oh did she have a lot of friends or are these all her friends and uh, the student says yes she had a lot of friends and the mom picks up flowers from the table and says if they were her friends they would know that she didn't like roses right right so it was it was interesting mm-hmm. that just that that exchange between the the mother and the student like were they friends or or is this uh an act of uh them coping with their own feelings right right and you know and that's one of the issues that i think people are talking about is that it seems like this is glorifying suicide and i i don't think that it is i think that it's also showing that real piece of what happens when a student dies at a school no matter how they die um it is tragic because it's a teenager and they're not supposed to die in any way um i think so many students feel like they need to do something they need to acknowledge it mm-hmm. and it, i f- think that a lot of times and i'm speaking from my own personal experience i remember um, when i was in high school we had someone die every year i was in high school i don't know exactly how those people died um but i can assume that at least one was probably a suicide um but i remember a lot of people going to the funeral and creating memorials and doing these things. And I remember thinking, I didn't know this person, Mm -hmm. so I don't feel a a connection. Um, But people need to figure out how to cope in their own world too. And when something like suicide occurs, who knows what other students are feeling if they're thinking that could have been me or, oh my gosh, you know, it's such a loss. Why didn't she see there was hope? So there's all these different feelings that everyone around them experiences. And it can be very hard for those directly impacted by it. But I think everyone's trying the best they can in those situations. I want to talk a little bit about misconceptions. Yeah. Uh, earlier when we were talking about Clay coming down to breakfast, mom and dad, uh, particularly mom, thinking mm-hmm. that he was experiencing depression when really he was most likely experiencing grief. What are some misconceptions and, and ways that we sometimes confuse those um, or the misconceptions we have mm-hmm. about mental health, mental illness, Mm-hmm. particularly depression and and maybe those times when we confuse grief and depression. Well, it's really interesting because now, um, are you familiar with the DSM? Not the latest, okay. no. Okay, so the DSM-5 actually, mm-hmm. um, the old DSM, DSM-4 used to have that bereavement was its own diagnosis and the, the DSM-5 has now included it into the depression criteria. And I think that the reasoning for that... Um, I'm not certain why, but I think part of that is because grief can last longer depending on the person and depending on the pre-existing kind of conditions. Mm -hmm. And so if someone is experiencing grief ongoing, um, an insurance company probably isn't going to go, yeah, you need therapy, we'll pay for that. But if it's under depression, they're more likely to get those services that they need. Um, So there is a fine line between grief, bereavement, and depression. And I think when we're talking about teenagers, 
it's very hard to predict what they're experiencing Mm -hmm. on the average day. But I think um, thinking about what triggers, again, those symptoms is important to kind of reflect on and look back on. And I do think, uh, I will say, Clay's mom irked me a little bit. And I I think that's my own (laughs) thing because she very much just wanted him to take a pill and not actually process and talk about what's going on with him. And I think his dad had a better approach. He was kind of like, you know, what's going on? Let's talk about this. Things are hard. Your mom's trying the best she can, you know, and then mom shows that she has his back later um, when there's a lawsuit going on. But mom does make, I mean, she doesn't just leave the the pills out for him. She makes breakfast. She wants to spend time (laughs) together. I mean, she gets that. Right. That if you want to connect with your child, you at least have to spend some quality time together. A meal is a good way to do that. Right. Right. And I think it's interesting, too. Um, again, I don't know where you are, but how they say no closed doors because they are so afraid mm. of suicide. And, and that is scary to them because they don't mm-hmm. want to lose their child, which is understandable. Um, and I was thinking about, oh, my gosh, what would I have done if my parents said that I couldn't have a closed door? I would have probably reacted poorly. <laughs> um, and so it's it's interesting that sometimes we overcompensate because we want to try so hard to keep our kids safe that it turns out we're, we're trying to control them and we're not allowing them to learn those coping skills and to make the choices for themselves to keep them safe. What are other misconceptions that we have about mental health that that you deal with on a frequent basis or that you see? Um, I think one thing is that everyone assumes that it'll last forever. You know, if you have depression, you're always going to have depression. Or, you know, if you have anxiety, you're always going to have anxiety. And that's not necessarily true. And even if it is true, I think that it changes the way it looks. Um, I think that our symptoms change. I think that our coping changes. And I think that um, with some solid therapy and or medication, depending on what the situation is, um, we can really see progress. I think that everyone assumes if you have a mental health diagnosis that you're crazy, and that's far from true. I think we've we've seen more acceptance in the last perhaps decade or so, uh, and and uh, which has allowed for more people to receive the appropriate care and and coping skills right. as well, um, so that it's more manageable rather than trying to hide it right. and not cope not manage it well we need to take a quick break when we come back from that break we'll continue our conversation we're we're discussing the netflix series 13 reasons why with dr christina kirsting counseling supervisor for lutheran family and children's services of missouri you're listening to faith and family on kfuo Concordia University, Wisconsin, and Mequon overlooks a half mile of beautiful Lake Michigan shoreline. 
CUW campus is located 15 miles north of Milwaukee with over 70 undergraduate majors, 28 graduate degree programs, and doctorate programs in pharmacy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and nursing practice. CUW offers online learning and accelerated learning at one of nine Wisconsin centers and one in St. Louis. Traditional or accelerated education, CUW has the program for you. CUW.edu. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. Democrat Party Chairman Tom Perez declared all of their political candidates must now be pro-abortion. Abortion, he said, is not negotiable. A big stink erupted when Democrat leaders supported Heath Mello, a pro-life candidate for mayor in Omaha. Radical pro-abortion activists in the party pitched a fit, and Perez is now working with women leaders to ensure all Democrat candidates support the killing of innocent unborn babies. Mello, by the way, caved into party thuggery and flipped to a pro-abortion position. Bernie Sanders and Nancy Pelosi actually said this is too much. Even they realize their party is shrinking as voters flee to pro-life candidates. The pro-life tent is big. All political parties are welcome to help save the babies. For more information, visit our website at lifeissues.org. And stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. Hi, this is Pastor Mark Azil, the LCMS Director of Campus Ministry and the Chancellor of LCMSU, inviting you to join us right here on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. in the Student Union. If you can't make it, Student Union is always available as a podcast at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help. Wednesday afternoon at 2 on KFUO. There are many sounds in your daily life. Ones that make you smile. (laughs) Ones that help you relax. And there are some sounds that can help save lives. Wireless emergency alerts. Now on many mobile devices, use a unique sound and vibration to bring you critical information about emergencies in your area. With updates from local sources you know and trust, you can be in the know wherever you are. Learn more at ready.gov slash alerts. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Why did Thomas need to see Jesus risen from the dead? And what should we make of Thomas's confession, my Lord and my God? Tuesday on Issues Etc., we'll have Pastor Tom Baker lead us in a Sunday school lesson on Jesus appearing to Thomas. We'll also discuss the Book of Concord with Dr. Al Schmidt, author of Hallmarks of Lutheran Identity. Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. The thought of my sons growing up without me inspired me to quit smoking. I talked to my doctors and then I threw away all my cigarettes, ashtrays, and lighters. I started exercising instead of smoking. Staying away from alcohol when I was first quitting was key. I kept on trying, learned something each time. Do whatever it takes. No matter how many times it takes. We did it, so can you. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and CDC. In 1924, we embraced the new technology of that day, radio. Since that day, we've stayed on the cutting edge of technology. There are many easy ways to listen to Worldwide KFUO, on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the gospel of Christ in both word and song. Now, that's why you should listen. The where and the how, well, that's up to you. The messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.
Welcome back to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. We are discussing 13 Reasons Why. It's a Netflix series, and uh, it addresses a number of issues uh, that the teens face today, and really that, that parents face as well. We're talking with Dr. Christina Kirsten. She's the Counseling Supervisor for Lutheran Family and Children's Services of Missouri. And before we went to break, we were talking about uh, a number of things about the about 13 reasons why this series and and the mental health issues that it brings up we we were talking about some misconceptions in mental health uh, that that you see and that that many see uh, today in in your profession uh, one of the things that, that we were talking about during the break is how you know as parents we 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 hear about these issues and think uh, well, you know, it's no different today than it was when I was a kid. Well, yes, there are some similarities. Um, we're still human. We still have this this uh, uh, selfish behavior in us that um, pre- you know that w- that prevents us from really caring for our neighbor and protecting our neighbor's reputation. Um, this this old Adam in us that that does that. But there are so many things that that magnify that. In our society now, and one of those is technology. We were talking about, you mentioned earlier, one of the scenes where a, a student sends out a, a text message with a picture and it's just devastating mm-hmm. and damaging to uh, to Hannah's reputation. Right. Right. Yes. Uh, technology is a friend and a foe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it, you had said in the break how it's great because it can do things like spread good news and Mm -hmm. good messages and, you know, positivity all around. But then it can also create a lot of damage because, you know, when we were younger, we could get away, we could get a break. And now they don't, there are no breaks because they always have their device with them. I, it's, it makes me laugh every time I have clients talk about their phone and they wait, they're like, wait, I have to make a phone call. I'm like, yeah, you know, that device you carry around all the time. It's that's, capable of making calls. Right. That's actually <laughs> why it was created at first. It's not like a little computer in your hands. Which is why we call it a phone. Now we call them smart devices right? Uh, because they do so much more than that. But isn't that, that just so telling of how different right. things are from one generation to the next. Absolutely. That technology shapes our culture, even the way that we interact with one another, mm-hmm. the way that we learn and the way that we think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I can remember as a kid asking my dad a question and him like, oh, you know, I think this is the answer. Let's figure it out together type thing. Now let's parents- go get an encyclopedia. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, let's Google it. Let's ask Siri, what does she know about it? And it's like, wow. I mean, it just, it blows my mind. But again, the positive thing is if I got on my phone right now and I asked Siri, where's the closest place I could go if I'm having thoughts of suicide, it would direct me. It would find me resources. So that is a positive thing. We do have that too. But even when we're talking about technology, um, kids can watch this series on whatever device they want, wherever they are, and it's not necessarily known by the parents or something that they can talk about and process together because the youth may have already seen it. They may have seen it or a friend may have seen it and it's coming up in discussions and, you know, friends are talking about it at school and that then may increase curiosity in your own child and who wants to see it, not knowing whether or not you as a parent want them to see right. it may may find you know more secret ways to 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 watch it to view it and right and right. then 
yeah, it's, it's, it's all about, I think it all comes down to that relationship between parent and child and how close is that, that relationship and how, uh, how open is that communication so that if your parent or if your, your child has a question about the series, right. uh, the topics that come up in it, are you discussing them? Right. Absolutely. I remember, um, this is going to make me sound so old now, but um, I remember I wasn't allowed to see Dirty Dancing. And I remember seeing it at a friend's house, you know, and that was back when you had to get the VHS tape somehow, like from Blockbuster, and then you had to sneak and watch it. And, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And my parents eventually found out, but it's just funny, like the steps we had to go through to watch that movie. And now these Children can just watch it on whatever device they have. Even, you know, we think about iPod touches. Those are basically phones. They can, as long as they're on Wi-Fi, they can have all those apps and they can still access things just like this. And so it's just scary to think about the power that's in their hands when it comes to technology. And we like to think that most of it's positive, but I also get very nervous about what they can do on those devices. You know, um, I don't know if you, you're familiar with the Kick app. I've heard of it. Okay, so it's I like... I don't utilize it. I do not either. Um, I'm not super familiar with it. I've just heard of it. Right, so it's it's an app that kids go through to text their friends, but that their parents can't track through when the parents check phones and mm-hmm. look at online at devi- and see what messages are going through. They can't see that. And so there are ways that they're still communicating, doing these things without other people knowing. And so it does, I I worry for you, for your toddler, for when she is a teenager. It's a girl, right? Boy, Boy, I'm sorry. Um, When he is a teenager, Mm -hmm. because wow, what what is it going to look like then? And we keep evolving, which is great, but also scary. I don't think we're going to let him know what the internet is. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's a solid plan. (laughs) No, but that's just it. I mean, when you, when you, when you bring that up, you know, this topic of, of connectivity that's, it's so readily available over the internet, over uh, a a wireless plan Mm -hmm. and and you say something like, you know, as a parent, well, we're just not going to let him use it. Then you, you get that look of, you're not going to let your child use technology. Mm -hmm. You're depriving them of that. There, there has to be. Not only is it because you get that look, but also are you disconnecting them from um, entirely? So there there has to be some sort of understanding of reasonable use of that and responsible Mm -hmm. use of these resources, Mm -hmm. uh, the the, the Internet and, and how we communicate and connect with others electronically. Right. I mean, there's a reason Steve Jobs limited the technology and the devices from his children there. It. There's a reason for it. Um, And so I think that there's a fine balance and parents need to help find that as well as the schools. You know, we've been talking a lot about the responsibility of the schools. Um, I am friends with a counselor at St. Joseph's Academy. And one of my favorite things that they do there is if they get caught with their phone, not only is it taken away, but they have to pay a fine. Hmm. To get their phone back. (laughs) And I love that. I think that... um, it shows responsibility and accountability and saying, you know what, there's a time to learn and you don't have to have your phone with you for that. You can actually focus on what's going on around you and acknowledge, wow, this is a process. It's not just reading a book and then knowing the information. Engaging in conversation yeah. with one another face to face. It's 
it, it's phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is amazing how we have become somewhat so isolated as as individuals because of this technology that so connects us. Mm-hmm. The, it, but it, a great point that this technology is is a good thing and helpful and useful. One example, uh, you know, my son's Sunday school teacher mentioned. Uh, to us after class on Sunday, she said, your son is very smart. He asked when we were talking, for some reason, they were talking about shapes at the end of class and they were drawing shapes. And uh, I think they were going to draw a cross in class. And mm-hmm. so they were drawing different shapes. And uh, and he asked the teacher to draw a trapezoid. Oh, <laughs> And wow. she said, well, I'm not sure I can do that right, right now. Right. <laughs> And she said, how did he learn that? Is it mommy and daddy? I said, well, he's learned phonics and he's learned shapes all thanks to, you know, these educational videos that he watches, whether it's right. on the, the, the TV or on a, you know, like a Kindle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he watches kids' videos that are very engaging and he enjoys it. And then he tells us all about the shapes that he's <laughs> learned or the, the phonics that he's learning about the, the words and the letters. So in that sense... You know, he's three and a half. Right. And he's talking about trapezoids and he knows that an octagon has eight sides. Right. Uh, So, I mean, in that sense, it's certainly been beneficial for us that that he's able to use that and he's learning these things that are that are useful. Um, But I can see, as you've pointed out, how it can also be very detrimental, very dangerous when it's not used responsibly, when this technology is not used responsibly. Right. And, you know, one thing that I just thought of when we're talking about this is... I definitely think we're talking about teenagers, but I really think it's a lot more work to be a parent nowadays than probably it was when we were younger. And I think that gets dismissed a lot. We don't always acknowledge the struggles that the parents are having with trying to keep up and with knowing these things. And how do they know? I mean, is there some kind of top secret website that they can go to that says, parents, this is what's happening? You know, I mean, I really think the reason I know about so many of these things are because the clients are telling me, but I don't know how likely they would be to tell their parents, hey, I've got this app that helps me text people so you don't find out about it. I don't know that they're going to do that. Right. (laughs) You know, and that's one thing that we try doing here is trying to stay on top of that technology, those apps, those things. I've heard of Kick before, but I don't use it, so I'm not super familiar with it. And fortunately, my, I, I don't, you know, it's not on a device that my three-year-old uses, nor would he be allowed to use it right now. Right. But other things like Snapchat is yeah, very popular today is. among adults as well. It is. It's and, goofy. <laughs> but it, and it's, it, you know, it's, Many like it and and appreciate it and and use it for fun, but I could see how it can also be a dangerous mm-hmm. thing as well. Something as simple as Snapchat, a, an app where you can take a picture, send it, and it supposedly only exists for a certain amount of time before it demet- deletes automatically on the other user's device. One caveat is almost any mobile device, smart device, will allow you to to capture a, the screenshot. screen, yeah, yeah. screenshot. So you know what happens though on Snapchat, like it'll tell you so and so took a picture of your. Oh chat. really? Yeah. So it'll it'll let you know that that happened. Not that you can really. Nothing you can do about it. Right. Right. Um, so that is an interesting piece. You can see if they've replayed it. You can see um, those different things. But again, yeah, people are putting things out there, and it's so interesting. And and we see it with Hannah in the story is how vulnerable. She is not only through technology, but going through the struggle and 
trying to get people to help her and putting out there all these warning signs and things that are being dismissed because we're so used to communicating via text or, you know, our apps that we forget what people are like in person. What's lost when when we communicate primarily electronically? Right. Yeah. Well, so many things. Um, one thing is we expect immediate responses for everything. And that's not how the world works. And I think that that creates more struggle for teens when they send a text and they don't get a response right away or they see that red receipt on the text and they see the little bubble, but then it goes away and no text comes through. It's anxiety provoking. I think that thinking that they read the message, but they didn't care enough to respond or they don't, they don't like me. They don't approve of me. Right. Absolutely. And then, you know, tone, just Mm -hmm. because we put a smiley face or an emoji behind it, (laughs) that doesn't really mean anything. Um, what do you know? I don't know, um, how that's interpreted on the other side. You couldn't read the sarcasm in my (laughs) text message. (laughs) Right. Exactly. No, that's exactly. It's right. An abstract concept quite often and and right. We don't necessarily grab grasp those in in it, just in language alone in body language right. much less in a text message. Right. And we get to the point where we don't even text in complete sentences. It's hashtags or emojis or um, even the bitmojis which are like the little people that look like you that go out <laughs> or you know um, and when people abbreviate everything I read them and I'm like, I don't even know what this means. And then I have to Google what, you know, all these acronyms mean. And it's, it's mind blowing. But I also think, you know, it reinforces isolation. Um, when you're sending texts and you can't get anything back, you feel even more alone than you do when you're in a classroom and no one understands you. And one of the things with Hannah, um, she has very long hair and then she cuts it short and, that could be a red flag for something going on. Not necessarily, but it could be that something's happening. You know, we see Britney Spears when she shaved her head and all these things. That is a sign that something's not right. And you can't get that from a text message. You might be able to get it from Snapchat or a selfie, but that doesn't necessarily happen. Because there are other things that happen in communication. Mm, There are verbals and nonverbals that we pick up on in communication that... Right. You, significant. you don't know if someone's crying if they're sending you a text. They yeah. could send you the little emoji that's crying, but what does that what, mean really? Right. <laughs> so, mm. What are, when looking at this series, 13 Reasons Why, what are your concerns about this series? Whether it's uh, with how it's utilized, how it's viewed, what are, or uh, some of the messages that it sends, or are, do you have concerns about the series? I do have a few. Um, Like I said before, one of them is that mental health really isn't acknowledged through it. Um, I think that's changing a little bit now. They've sent out some new videos and done an after the show kind of thing where they talk about resources. And they've said that their um, website, 13 Reasons Why, now has resources for whatever area you're in to find help, which I think is great. Um, But I also was concerned that they didn't put like the national suicide hotline number up after each episode or anything like that. I think that would have mm-hmm. been great. I think it would have been really helpful for people to see, oh, look, yeah, this is real and I'm feeling alone. I can call this number. Which, by the way, is 1-800-273-8255. That's the national suicide prevention hotline. 1-800-273-8255. Right. Right. Thank you for adding that. Sure. So um, there's that. And then I also 
think again back to when we talk about being overprotective. So parents restricting that they're not going to allow their teenager or young adult or whatever age they are to watch this show, they are going to be exposed to it some way. I mean, Instagram, I, I like Instagram way more than I like Facebook because I can just look at pictures and it's way more positive than reading everyone's negative words. Um, <laughs> that's just my opinion. But so on Instagram, I've seen so many memes about Hannah and, you know, their jokes about, you know, McDonald's is getting rid of the shamrock shake. Welcome to your tape. Like, and so that's really not a great thing. But if kids are seeing this and they're going, what's this about? I don't understand what this meme is. I want to watch the show or, you know, oh, I saw that the Hannah and Clay were just on Ellen yesterday. I want to know what the show's about. Or I heard that they're even doing advertising on um, ABC. I don't know because I don't have regular TV, but I've heard that it's out there. And so the more we restrict something, what happens? the more they want to watch it. And then who knows what those consequences are going to be once they do watch it. And so engaging in the process is so important for schools, for parents, for everyone to be willing to talk about it instead of just shooting it down and saying, well, it's really bad and it's about suicide and we don't want to talk about that. Well, guess what? You know, I would say that the majority of people have had thoughts of suicide. It's what we do with those thoughts that can be problematic. Thoughts of suicide are normal. It's normal to feel sad and it's normal to feel depressed. It's normal to feel grief. It's how we deal with that and how we cope and what kind of help we receive. The, the, the fact that it's, it's in mainstream media, that it's all mm -hmm. over, yes, yeah. is going to, to raise curiosity it is um it, it is quite graphic and in a number of ways mm -hmm. i've not made it to the last episode but um just the language alone oh yeah is, yeah i didn't even think about the language but yes quite graphic throughout the the whole series right. so that's another consideration right. is right you know if you're thinking about right. viewing it as a family and, right. and discussing it as a family that's certainly something to uh to consider uh right. Another resource that uh, you mentioned that there are a number of resources associated with 13 Reasons Why that mm -hmm. are being made available through uh, through a number of channels that, that are, are helpful. And another resource I'd like to point listeners to um, is just a, a recent blog post by the Reverend Mark Kiesling, Director of Youth Ministry in the Office of National Mission here for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. 13 Reasons Why reminds us to show youth love. And I think that's probably the, the thing that yeah. comes out the most out of this is mm -hmm. that... Um, this is a reflection of what happens among young people today, mm -hmm. the isolation, mm -hmm. the fear, the and mental illness mm -hmm. that that affects young people and people of all ages. And what can we do as adults yeah. uh, to be helpful? And that is to to care and show love to them, to be a listening ear. One example that that Mark shares in here is uh say hi yeah. to youth that you don't know as, as an adult. Um, that doesn't mean you have to be creepy. Right. Um, but, but to simply say hi. And if, uh, time and circumstances, uh, allow for it uh, to, to, to build a relationship, if time and consistency allow for it, you know, for example, 
you're going through the checkout of the grocery store. This is one example that Mark uses. You're, you're going through the, the grocery store, checking, you know, go through the checkout there, just simply saying hi. Right. Um, and, and, and a simple conversation may be something, you know, if that person's there repeatedly, you can build a healthy, meaningful relationship as someone who cares for them. Absolutely. You know, um, I have the story. One day I was coming home from work and there was a young man sitting crying around the corner and I went and I sat down and I talked to him and found out kind of what was going on with him and he was just so happy to have someone listen to him and I thought wow if I was anyone else I can imagine people reporting him being like there's this strange kid sitting there and what's going on what's he up to so yeah like let's stop thinking the worst of teenagers and start thinking the best and embrace them and help them because it's tough being a teenager. It, it is tough today, but we can certainly as parents, as as professionals, as, as pastors, as uh, teachers, counselors, youth leaders, DCEs, um, those, you know, who serve in the church, take that extra time to, uh, to listen mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. Uh, and then offer help as well as you listen. Right. Again, that uh, National Suicide Prevention Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. And we'll we'll post that today with the archive of today's program as well. And uh, anything, any other resources that that you've come across that are helpful for parents in understanding 13 Reasons Why? Um, You know, there are a lot of articles out there. And Mm -hmm. so just be cautious, read with an open mind. But I will let everyone know that the counseling department at Lutheran Family and Children's Services, we are watching this together and we're going to discuss it together so that we are prepared for whatever issues may arise in the community when they need additional assistance. Dr. Christina Kirsting, Kirsting, she's the counseling supervisor for Lutheran Family and Children's Services. Thanks so much for visiting with us today and visiting with me and uh, helping us take a look at 13 Reasons Why. And, and uh, well, kicking off Mental Health Awareness Month as yeah. well for us here on Faith and Family. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks for being my guest today. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Coming up in just a little bit, Thy Strong Word right here on Listener Supported Worldwide KFUO. Studying God's Word with Pastor William Whedon. Listen to Faith and Family Monday through Friday at this time. Faith and Family is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is needed for Faith and Family to continue. Our address is 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can contact us on the web and download Faith and Family at KFUO.org. Worldwide KFUO, on the air, online, and on demand.